realized I wasn't the only person of color who felt that way, who'd been struggling with identity, unsure where he fit. On the phone, I told Rouse that Senator Obama's book had spoken to me. What do you want to do, he asked. I'll do anything, I replied. He invited me to D.C. I'd been to Washington in 2001 after Duke won the NCAA championship. We'd been covered in the media extensively, as every NCAA championship basketball team has been before and since. Back on campus, we were minor celebrities. And now we were in the nation's capital to, among other things, meet the president. Needless to say, it was not your usual introduction to Washington, and my mind was in a thousand places at once. Our team visited the Pentagon and toured the White House. I remember it was blazing hot as we all stood in the rose garden sweating in our suits. I was the only one who'd brought a handkerchief, and I passed it around to the guys while we waited for President Bush to show up to welcome us to the White House. Bush eventually came out, posed, and was very polite. He congratulated us, and that was that. I never thought for a second that I was standing in the place of my future employment. What I remember most about D.C., if I'm honest, was a very brief glimpse of the Oval Office, the unpleasant temperature, and how disgusting my handkerchief was after several teammates used it to mop their brows. When I arrived in 2005 for the interview with the Senator's office, however, it was a different story. I was mesmerized by the federal city. Everything felt so seductively foreign to me. The architecture, the pace. Driving into town felt like being a toddler walking into a toy store or buying a new gadget and pushing all the buttons at once. I was overwhelmed, breathless with excitement. Playing hoops for sold-out crowds at Cameron Indoor Stadium or in front of 100,000 hand-shopping Florida State University Seminole fans should have prepared me, but the grandness of the city was something completely different. Which is probably why I crashed the car. I'd borrowed my father's Volvo S80 to make the drive. I'd never driven in the city before, and though it was a minor fender bender, a jeep coming into my lane and hitting the side of my car. I tried not to think of it as a bad omen, and I tried not to think about what I was going to tell my dad. Senator Obama couldn't meet with me the first day, so I ended up staying overnight with a friend, which was fortunate because the price of a hotel room in Washington was shocking. The next day, I took the metro over to the Capitol to meet with David Katz, then a personal assistant to the senator. Stepping into the Hart Senate office building only reinforced the exhilaration I was already feeling. The place was massive, chock full of business, tired people rushing past, looking like they were consumed with purpose. There were metal detectors and security guards, and men and women in suits and shiny shoes talking in eager, agitated voices into their phones or to each other. The very air itself seemed heavy with ambition, and as I inhaled it, I realized right then I wanted to be a part of the mix. I sat outside the cloakroom on a hard wooden bench, too stupid to be nervous, just giddily eager. The senator emerged with Katz, who pointed at me. I stood up, just as he approached. Hey, Reggie, Obama said, extending his hand. Thanks for taking the time. We shook hello, his demeanor, formal, but friendly. He asked what I was doing with my life. Playing football, I said, adding quickly. I read your book. It was inspiring, thoughtful. That's great. Thank you. We stood there, eyeing each other. It felt less like a job interview than a sizing up. We both fell silent for a beat, as if we were trying to see who could be more low-key.
Then he asked me a couple of questions about myself. What mattered to me? What I wanted to do in the future? I didn't have any answers, and I didn't really pretend that I did. I said I was looking forward to learning about the political process, and he said that it's easier to try new things as a young man than when you're 35. You think you might want to run for something someday? He asked, finally. No, maybe. If somebody thinks I should. I knew I sounded moronic. I could tell he was unimpressed. He looked me over one last time. Well, maybe we'll work something out, he said, then walked away, immediately directing his attention to something that actually mattered. Nailed it. Man, did I suck. It was the worst interview I'd ever given. Maybe because it was the only interview I'd ever given, aside from trying out for the Duke basketball team, which hardly counted. I left the Hart building that day feeling pretty certain I wouldn't be coming back to D.C. anytime soon.